Hey, what's up, Warriors? It is Jeff from WarriorLife.com, and welcome to podcast episode number 349. Now, we all know that gunfights don't happen under ideal conditions, right? So then why do most people train at the gun range with visions of the perfect defensive setup? One where you are able to get that perfect stance, a nice alignment of your target, front and rear sights, a slow methodical trigger squeeze, and of course, a solid two-handed grip on the handgun. Now, if this sounds like your typical range time, it's time to change things up by adding just this one skill builder to your training now. Let's talk tactics. Tactical firearms training. Urban survival. Close quarters combat. Welcome to the show that helps you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is the Warrior Life Podcast. Hey there, welcome back everybody. This is Jeff Anderson, Executive Director of WarriorLife.com. Okay, I get it. I get it. All right. Most shooting ranges are not going to allow you to create the conditions that mimic a real-life attack, unless it's some sort of a, like a high-cost, highly controlled tactical shooting workshop that you sign up for. Most aren't going to allow you to draw your weapon from concealment. You're not going to be able to like lower the lights to simulate a low-light attack condition. Uh, you can't move from your lane while shooting. And you may not even be able to shoot at anything faster than like one-second intervals. But there's one skill more than any other that you can practice at any range And it has at least an 85% chance of being a deciding factor in your ability to defend yourself with your handgun. And yet I hardly see anyone ever practicing this one skill at the shooting line. I'm talking about one-handed shooting. Now, I'm really not sure why most people don't practice this skill. Because when you really think about the reality of all the things that can screw up that perfect response, there are so many ways that you could find yourself with only one hand on your gun. And it's time to pull that trigger. It's time to take that shot. And just in case you need any more convincing, what I want to do in this episode was give you 10 reasons why one-handed shooting must be included in your training plan. So these are I'm just going to run through these, uh, these 10 things real quick. And hopefully this is going to really kind of put a boot, boot up your ass and really get you back out there doing this stuff, all right? So look, uh, n- tip number one is you simply don't have enough time to get your hand up to get a two-handed grip on the gun. Remember, gunfights happen just outside of arm's reach. They mostly happen because of escalated arguments or as a result of an ambush when you don't even see it coming. And those people are going to get right up in your face in both of those circumstances, and that is where most gunfights happen. So you might not be able to get to your gun without fighting to it, but even when you do get your hand out, you might have your other hand there where you've got to go ahead and continue to fight your way out there. So you might not have enough time to even get your gun out before you've got to get a shot off there. Uh, Reason number two is kind of one of the more obvious that you'll see out there with people who are proponents of one-handed shooting, and that is the injury of your shooting hand or your shooting arm. So if the other person that you are fighting against also has a firearm, and they're shooting center mass, well, where are you typically shooting from? Around center mass, right? Your arms are gonna be out in front of you. So if they do get a shot off, you could very well be shot in your, even be your strong arm that you're typically used to firing in, or it could be either one. So you could be shot in one of your arms, in which case you're not gonna have operation to that, and you might be fighting with only one hand or one arm. Uh, The third reason is you might have to direct a family member out of the way. So think about like a bodyguard type of a situation. So you might be walking to your car and you have your spouse with you or you have child with you 
And in order for you to be able to engage an attacker, whether it's somebody attacking you or you defending somebody else, you might have to use your one hand to direct a family member behind you to get them out of the way so that you can engage with your attacker. Reason number four is you could be holding a child or a grandchild in your hands, or you might be directing somebody like uh, somebody who's elderly or your spouse. And it could be, even be a home invasion situation where you might be you might have to, if you hear something in the house, you go and you might have to leave your your room, your safe room, and go get a, a grandchild or a child in another room, and you're carrying them back, but you have your weapon with you. Carrying that young child, you might only, I mean, you're not going to have to, you're not going to be able to use that hand, so you might have to use one hand in that situation as well. Same thing goes if you were out in public and concealed carry, and you are used to carrying your child in your arms, or maybe you have a baby carrier or something, and and you have to get to your gun and be able to use it for personal defense. Not an ideal situation, but you're not going to have that hand to be able to use there. All right. Uh, reason number five is holding a flashlight. So we say this all the time that you know, most gunfights are going to happen out in, when they're in public in low light scenarios because the attacker doesn't want to be recognized. They don't want you to see that they're, that they're coming up on you so that they can get an ambush there. Um, they don't want to be identified later on if they are caught. So somebody might be able to positively identify them if it's light out. So that's why we say you should always have a flashlight on you for sure and actually using it. So if you're going out to your car, we recommend that you actually use a flashlight even if it is a well-lit well area because it, it does show that you are a more aware person. So it, it, it reduces the likelihood that you're going to be attacked because some, they're looking for the weakest link and you don't look like somebody who is a weak link if you have a flashlight out there and you're scanning around there. Okay, so But you could have that flashlight there in one hand, in which case you are not necessarily going to have that for when you go to draw your weapon and actually engage that attacker. Reason number six are obstacles. So in the real world, you may be faced with environmental challenges like opening doors if it's a home invasion or shoving a chair out of the way or in front of somebody else if it's a multiple attacker situation while you get to your gun or closing the door on a carjacker who's trying to get inside of your vehicle as you draw your weapon. There could be those obstacles that you have to use one hand for while you're using your other hand to be able to get to and engage the attacker with your other hand. Uh, number seven is a little bit maybe less likely, but it's one that we have seen in combat and are now training for in the military, and that is carrying or dragging someone who's wounded out of a shooting zone. So if you're a police officer and you're with your partner or somebody else that, that's along there with you, um, and there is a, a shooting that is happening, there, there are bullets being traded, you might be able to drag somebody out of there. Same thing goes if you are a military contractor, you're in the military, um, we're now being taught to be able to grab like the back of a tactical rig and drag them while you're actually shooting. So another case where you might be forced to be able to use have to use one hand for for uh, for engaging an attacker. Uh, number eight is one that I'm always very conscious of. And when I'm out walking with my girlfriend, I always make sure she's she's well trained now. Uh, she always knows to always go to my left side and because we we're snuggly, we're schmoopy, and uh, I like to hold hands out in public. So she holds my left hand because I am right-handed. And that be, and this really comes from, like, if it is an ambush, you might have, I mean, when somebody is startled, what happens, especially if it's somebody that 
that you're used to protecting or they're used to being protected, they might crank down on your hand and get behind you. Like basically it's just an instinctive um, survival move. It's a reflex to be able to just kind of clench down. And so if you are holding hands with your partner and somebody jumps out and they are a threat, they might crank down and just really hold, maybe, maybe even grab your one hand with both hands and get behind you and take their arm, take your arm with them. So you might not have that hand when it comes to engaging the attacker. So one, always make sure that you're holding hands on the off side, that you can get to your your gun with just with your one hand. And again, another reason why you should be practicing one-handed shooting. Uh, number nine is that when you are in close quarters, even if you do have your gun out, you might be grappling with your attacker. And you can miss when you're that close because when you're grappling around, and you have your gun in your hand, you still have to get that line of sight. Well, it won't be you won't, you won't be sighted, but that you have to get that that path of the bullet to where your attacker is. Now, when you're grappling around, you, your hands can go in a whole bunch of different places in a split second, just because you're used to grappling around with them. And you're, if your finger's on the trigger, you never know where that's going to go, and you are still responsible for every single bullet that comes out of that gun. So there are methods that you can use when you're grappling with an attacker to be able to get your gun online with the attacker. But oftentimes you are going to be using one of those hands just to be able to keep him off of you. It's going to be hard to get both hands in there because if you do have both hands on your gun, you're exposing your head. And now if they're punching away at you, they can knock you out, take your gun, use it on you. There's a whole lot of things that can happen there in that grappling range. So for counter ambush there, you want to make sure that you do practice one-handed shooting, especially up close like that with things like contact shots that are going to help you to engage the attacker even at that super close range there. And then the number one reason why I think I say for the last one here, and that is natural instinct. Now I have analyzed, um, I've looked at the studies over 6,000 gunfights. And what we've found is that one-handed shooting occurs over 80% of the time. Um, in, in the ones that I've seen, it's almost every time, like in real gunfights, when it's a close quarters ambush, very, very few times have we seen where somebody was able to get into a two-handed stance. Now, one of the instructors in our network, Masad Ayub, um, I remember he interviewed um, a, a lieutenant from the Chicago Police Department. His name was Robert uh, Stash, and he was a 37-year veteran of the, of the Chicago PD. But he had been in uh, 14 gunfights. And he said that in all of those shootings, he was he was only able to get a two-handed grip on uh, his handgun twice out of 14. Now, that's about an 85% chance that you're going to be forced to shoot with one hand. So let me ask you, if the chances are that high, doesn't it make sense that about 85% of your defensive shooting practice should also be done with one hand? So whether you agree with that training percentage or not, you really can't argue with the need to include one-handed shooting into your training plan. But I never see anybody doing this. Think about it, folks. You have an 85% chance that you're going to have to shoot with one hand. So what does your training look like? How often are you really practicing with one hand? Even when you go to the range, how much of your training when you're there at the shooting range is done with one hand? I can tell you, even those people that really are practicing with one hand, it's an afterthought. Most of the time, it's just, well, I'm going to practice a little bit. Just go, I can do it if I need to, but I'm going to practice with two hands the rest of the time, thinking that that is how you're going to be able to respond. When all the studies show that that's just not true. 
It's just not true. So I hope that this really kind of does put a boot up your ass that one-handed shooting should really take the bulk of what you're actually doing out there. Now, I go over my favorite methods for the actual technique of one-handed shooting when it comes to a real gunfight in podcast episode number 191. And I'll go ahead and link to that show in the resources section on our website where you see this podcast episode. All right. Well, that wraps things up on my end. Now, don't forget to subscribe to our show wherever you enjoy your podcast. You'll find several different options over at www.warriorlifepodcast.com. And hey, stop on by your favorite channel and throw us one of those fancy schmancy five-star reviews that we like so much. It would be much appreciated. Really, really do want that. And until our next Warrior Life podcast episode, this is Jeff Anderson saying prepare, train, and survive. You've been listening to the Warrior Life Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You can help us spread the mission of self-reliance and self-protection when you rate us. And leave us a comment wherever you enjoy these podcasts. And don't forget to check out our posts and videos on our social media channels. You'll see a full directory when you visit our website at www.warriorlife.com. We'll see you next time. This has been the Warrior Life Podcast. Prepare. Train. Survive.